All right, we uh, back to podcast after a week. We had Bible study on Wednesday night in person, and uh, back to podcast this evening. Hope you've had a good week, and uh, we're back in First Samuel chapter twenty-two. Um, we are, I, I guess it can be a low light, a low period. Uh, in David's life, but it turns into a great positive. If you recall the last time we uh, discussed how David uh, was at a terrible place, terrible. Is it? In fact, I've, I've said it many, many times. It's to me, it is the saddest occasion in David's life, uh, aside from when he sinned with Bathsheba. And this is uh, the time in his life when he. Uh, is under such pressure from from Saul, such pressure from trying to save his life from Saul, and uh, as he is, he he's just just giving in, he's just giving in to fear, and he changes his behavior before Abimelech and uh, the priest, and of course we we've seen the story, and the result was Psalm thirty four. Psalm thirty four was the result. Oh, t- taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, this is the result of what happens. For you see, David will flee to a cave called Adullam. Uh, he will do so after uh, the situation with, with the priest, and he changes his behavior. And he goes into the cave of Adullam running. He's still on the run. He's still an outlaw. He's uh, still fearing for his life. And... He um he comes to chapter twenty two, but something happens here. Something so encouraging, uh, and and helpful to me in this story. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. So he's trying to get away. David wants to be alone. He's afraid for his life. He's afraid in this situation. And so he flees and he, he finds a cave. And when you're running in fear, the devil's always going to give you a place and uh, give you a place to, to get off at. If you want a quitting place, he'll always find you one. And so that's that's what happens here. And uh, so as that happens, he goes into this cave, but... His father's house begins to hear about it. His brethren, his friends, those that love him, those that care about him. And verse 2, and everyone that was in distress. So these are people that are in a bad shape like he is. Distress. The term distress means to be uh, it, it, it means to be overcome with stress. That's where we get the term stress from. So it means to be under pressure, finding yourself under a lot of pressure, great pressure. And that's where David is. So everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented. So this, this is so good. I can make so many applications to the church, modern day church, what church is. David, in this situation, could easily be the pastor, a pastor who is having a difficult time 
or who has been through difficult times in his own life. And look whom God puts in his path for him to be able to minister to and them to minister to him. People that are in distress, people that are in debt, and people that are discontented. So people that have been through difficulties themselves, tough situations themselves. I'm not, I, I tell you what, I, I, you, you hear me talk a lot about how wonderful things went, you know, in my prior pastorate in the mountains. I was a younger man. Um, but I'm going to tell you, I have been through a lot since then. And having done so, I'm not saying I'm a better nor a, a worse pastor than I was at the time, but I am saying I can relate and have more compassion and more empathy towards people uh, because of what I've went through. And so I think standing at the judgment seat, like we say, if we're going to err, we're going to err on forgiveness. I feel like I'll fare better as a result of that. So remember that. Remember when you go through difficult times, times where you don't understand why you're going through them, as we've spoke about this morning. Remember this, that maybe God is softening us to the place to be able to effectively and better serve him. And so David is under a great burden, great stress, difficult time in his life. And he goes into the cave and he, he, he flees there. He goes there for safety and protection. He goes there for the purposes of escape. And then all of a sudden, just imagine this situation. David is, David is in that cave and he's hiding himself. And you know, on a cave, there's one way in and there's one way out. And he would look, he could see, naturally he would, he would cover up the mouth of the cave as he's wanting protection and all of a sudden he can see a little light crack in. Maybe it's moving a stone out of the way, moving some brush out of the way. As he looks, he sees somebody popping their head through. Why, it's one of his brethren, and they're in distress as well. He comes in, and they, they speak, and they talk, and they fellowship, and David's so glad it's not an enemy that's after him, but a friend has come to him. A friend that needs ministry, ministering to him, and a friend that 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 can also minister back to David. Then they, they look and there's, a, there's someone else coming through the cave mouth. And it's another friend who's indebted. They fellowship and they minister to one another and then they look and again, someone comes back through the cave mouth and it's another friend whom is discontented. What are you saying, preacher? What I'm saying is this. They've all been through terrible, difficult times. I mean, distress and debt and discontentment. And David is fearing for his life. But they find common ground. They find ministry towards one another. They find the ability for one another and, and, and one another being able to, to fellowship around their suffering and, and, and the fact that God has seen them through. And you know, that's... that's 
what he's encouraging about church and our church. And I, I spoke about church hurt a lot last week and last time. And as I did so, I began to think about folks that make up our church that have been through difficulties, been through hard times, and you, you didn't necessarily let it jade you. you. You allowed it to make you better and softer and more able and apt to serve Jesus. And that's what begins to make us up, and that, that makes up who and what we become. All of those that were in debt and distress and discontentment, they came unto David. They come to David for ministry, for help. They said, David, we know you're an outlaw. We know you're in the cave. We know you're running. We know you're, you're afraid, but you can help us, and we can help you. What encouragement that is. Bible says, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. So David now starts with about 400 men. He, he becomes a captain over these men. And the Bible says, and David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, and depart, and get thee in the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Harith. So we're going to read several verses here and try to get to uh, where we want to head this, this evening. When Saul heard that David was discovered and the men that were with him... So David, Saul's heard about this, and he's, he's not happy, naturally. Now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Here now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you the fields and the vineyards, and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? He's saying, Look, David can't do for you what I can do for you. This reminds me of churches as well. Folks want to go and they want to be ministered to and they want to um, have someone be able to relate to them and their difficulties and their burdens and their, their tough situations, their hard situations. And Saul said, oh, they, they, they can't do for you what they don't have the building we have. They don't have the programs we have. They don't have uh, the, the opportunities to serve that we have. Oh, yes, yes, we, we do. We, we, we've got opportunities to serve, and we continue to make that so. But you see, that's how, that's how things work. People, Saul, Saul and Saul's type, they know they lack in true leadership. They know they lack in true compassion. They know they lack in, in being genuine and real. So they've got to offer up uh, or, or try to sway and manipulate based on what they have to offer. And that's why church has become nothing more than a business. And it's what we have to offer as a church. Instead of what do you have to offer to the church. You see, David and these men had a different type of relationship than what had to be offered to these men. The relationship that they had was based on serving and loving God together, not on what can you do for me and what opportunities do you have for me? But that's Saul's tactic. That's how Saul operates. 
Saul says, David can't give you what I can give you. Verse 8, that all of you have conspired against me, and there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse, and there is none of you that is sorry for me. Oh, boy. You see what he's playing there? He's playing the, the pitiful game. You you hurt my feelings. You don't know how bad you hurt. Quit. You, when people say that, 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 most of the time, that's manipulative. They're trying to get what they want or get their way through attempting others to feel sorry for them. They really. That's what Saul's doing. Look at his tactic here. He says, none of you told me that my son hath made a league with Jesse and the son of Jesse, and there is none that is sorry for me or showeth me unto that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie and wait as this day. You see how he's operating? He's not operating as a leader. He is op- operating under, again, his manipulative tactics. That's Saul's modus operandi. Then David answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, and he gave him victuals, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So he's telling what he saw back there in the last chapter that we dealt with. Then the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, all of his father's house, the priests that were in Nob, and they all came to them to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, thou son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. Saul said unto him, Why have ye conspired against me, thou and the son of Jesse, and that thou hast given him bread and a sword, hast inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait this day? Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth bidding, and is honorable in thine house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me, let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of my father, for thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. And the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. Now, I love this. I love this. He goes to Ahimelech. And you remember the last lesson when David changed his behavior before him? Well, Saul finds out about it. And so Saul goes to Ahimelech and he begins to accuse him. Why have you done this? Why have you been so good to David? Why have you hid David? Why did you give him bread? Why did you give him the sword? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why did you go to that church? Why, 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 why? Questioning why why Elimelech did what was right. It was the right thing to do to be a blessing to David. Here's what David said, or Elimelech said. He said, there is none as honorable as him. You know the type of man he is. Essentially saying to him, look, just because you're out for him, because you want to kill him and you want to divide everyone and you want to put divisions on everyone because some of these folks love David and they believe in David and and you've got jealousy and envy in your heart and you want to cause division about it. That don't mean that we're all going to be like that because you know in your heart, Saul, that David is a good man. That's that's the answer of him like said. Sadly it has no bearing on Saul and Saul wants Himelech killed. 
So verse 17, And the king said unto the footmen, stood about him, Turn and slay the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me. The servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord. I love it. The king said to Doeg, Turn thou and fall upon the priest. And Doeg the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priest, and slew on that day fourscore, five persons that did wear a linen ephod. They're killing the priesthood. And Nob, the city of the priest, smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women and children and sucklings and oxen and asses, and sheep and sheep with the edge of the sword. And one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahiatub, named Abathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abathar showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priest. And David said unto Abathar, I knew it was and knew it that day, when Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Abide thou with me, fear not, for he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life. But with me thou shalt be in safe guard. So, where are we at in this? How how far have we come? What's the situation? Here's the situation. Saul goes to these group of men, and as he's doing so, he is he is told by Doeg the Edomite, who, if you recall, Saul David, there with Ahimelech, and Doeg is one of these tattletale types. He's the one that runs back and forth between both sides and or, or, or tells what he saw and tells what he knew. He's the gossipy type, like I dealt with on Sunday morning. And so he goes and tells him, look, I saw David if, with Ahimelech. And so Saul goes to all the priests, Ahimelech being the primary one, and he begins to attempt to guilt them and manipulate them and try to sway them to turn their back on David, the men of Israel, and turn their back on David's men and being enemies to David in this attempt. And they refuse to do so. They say, look, he's a good man. We're not turning our back on a good man. My gosh, could we have that kind of character today to not be so easily swayed to one or another and and understand uh, that God puts people in our paths and understand good men and good women and and the difference between them and someone that doesn't have any character. So that's, that's the situation that we find here. So as we find this situation... Saul tells his men to rise up against them and to slay them, and none of them would do it but Doeg, the Edomite. Doeg begins to kill off all of these, the Bible said, that were wearing the ephod. Okay? The ephod, of course, is what it was the garment of the priest. And so. We go to verse 20, it says, One of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahiatub, named Abathar. So there's one by the name of Abathar that escaped. And Abathar will prove prove himself with David and to David. So Abathar escapes and he goes and tells David what's, what's going to happen. And so David says, You stay with me and you're going to have great protection. Stay with me, Abathar, and you'll be protected. So what we're seeing here is we're seeing battle lines being drawn. David is now strengthened. 
David is now has a, a group of men that have come with him. David at this point is an outlaw. He's a renegade. He is fleeing from the law of the land. Now let me let me make that statement real quickly. Especially in the times that we live in. The devil was so slick during during COVID and when COVID come about. Because you had you had basically within Christianity you had it kind of split right down the middle on viewpoints. You had the, the crowd that would quote Romans thirteen and say, Okay, these laws and these mandates and all these things, the, the vaccines and the lockdowns, we must honor and respect that. Because you know we as Christians are to abide by the law of the land. I want to tell you right now, I'll tell you right now where we, we I stand on that, where we should stand on that, where the Bible stands on that. That's a cowardice point of view. And it's manipulating and taking verses out of their context so you don't have to make waves. That's a cowardice point of view and resting verses from their context so you don't have to go against the societal grain. That's what that viewpoint is. Because you see, when laws that are passed are unjust, there is no honor and dignity in following those laws. In fact, the honor and the dignity comes and go, going against those laws, for you see that would that would come and that that would imply that every lawmaker, every law that they were good, honorable, upstanding men and women that were making these decisions based on our betterment and the glory of God, and we know that to not be so. And if you know that to not be so, and to still follow it, even even if it goes against conscience and the scriptures. You're wrong and you're a coward. I said it. Because you see, David is an outlaw here. By the law of the land. David has the law of the land attempting to kill him. David has the king of the land, the government of the land. He has the one in control attempting, wanting to take his life. But now David, who is essentially an outlaw, this is called the outlaw years. But what crime has he committed? He's committed no crime except for Saul hates his guts and wants him silenced and wants him gone and dead and to be done with. And can I tell you, we as a church, we as a people, we as Bible believers, we're not committing crimes. They're attempting to make laws that would cause what we do and what we believe a crime. So therein, we ask ourselves, do we, based on Romans 13, abide by the law? No. Or do we take the attitude of David in this situation, take the heart of Peter, and and James or Peter and John when they said we ought to obey God 
rather than men. You remember they set a law against Peter and John not to preach or teach in his name. To tell the disciples not to preach or teach in his name. Now what would we have... We wouldn't even have a completed Bible today if Peter and John took the same approach and tactics and mindset that your typical church does today. Shut the church down. We No assemblies past 100 people. Okay, we'll do what you say. We'll do what you say. You must take this shot. You must... You, you must have these papers, you but can't do this. You, okay, we'll do what you say. We'll do what you say. Now, if, if Peter and John and James and Paul and all these, if they would have had that same mindset and attitude, we wouldn't have the churches spread like they did today and we sure wouldn't have a New Testament. But those men said it's better to obey God rather than man. And I believe with all my heart in America, there has become an arising, an awakening among some. Some is enough with God, by the way. Among some that have seen through the, the Marxism, have seen through the dangers of, of what's going on in society, and what's going on with our government, and, and are saying, you know what? You know what? Just because something is passed as a law doesn't mean it's just. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's correct. So that being the case, what are we going to follow? We're going to follow God or man. What did David follow? God or man? What about his men that are following him? These 400 men that are following him right now that he's become a captain over. They're, they're essentially grouping themselves as with an outlaw as well because they want to obey God rather than man. Hope you've enjoyed 1 Samuel chapter 22. I love each one of you. Good night and God bless.